This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Okay, now back in next on the tee with me is top 100 instructor and a great friend of the show, Tim Cusick. Let me remind you about Tim's background. He's been a member of the PGA of America since 1989. He's been named one of the best instructors in the state of Texas by Golf Digest every year since 2011. Golf Magazine has named him one of the top 100 instructors in America as well every year since 2019. He's a three-time winner of the Teacher of the Year Award by the Northern Texas PGA section. He's also won the Horton Smith Award, which is given annually for outstanding and continuing contributions to professional golf education. Tim has reached master professional status. He's coached or helped more than 150 junior players secure a college golf scholarship. He's coached players like Bruce Crampton, Brad Elder, Hollis Stacy, and Sandra Palmer. He formerly managed and taught at the Hank Haney Golf School and worked with Hank for 23 years. He's currently a member of the education faculty at PGA Frisco, which is the PGA of America's new headquarters. He's written a great book titled The Four Keys to Improve Your Game, which you can find out on Amazon.com. And I'm honored to have him back with me here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Tim, thanks for coming back on the show. Absolutely, Chris. Thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. So, Tim, catch us up. How are things going on out there at a PGA Frisco? You know, Chris, it's been um, kind of a whirlwind there. Uh, I joined the education faculty, as as you know, in the teaching and coaching uh, arena, um, September of 2020. And at that time, obviously, we were going through the, the, the pandemic and I was working from home. We were doing virtual seminars for the associates wanting or aspiring to be PGA professionals. We did that for about a year and a half. We moved into the new headquarters of the PGA of America and the Education Center uh, in April, just, what, three, four months ago, and uh, have been going strong ever since. We're back doing seminars uh, in person. It's great to see the associates eye to eye, and and, uh, I'm excited for the opening of the entire facility uh, next spring of 2023. You've got two courses out there, the East course, which was designed by Gail Hans, the West by Bo Welling. Talk about both of those courses. Yeah, Chris, uh, you got it exactly right. The East course, by and large, although both of them are championship golf courses, the East course, Gil Hans's course, will be the one that most of the national championships for the PGA of America will be played on. And uh, the golf courses, really, they've been done for – almost two years. I mean, they've gone through two dormant seasons in, in Dallas. And, um, but the, the goal of the PGA of America and their partner Omni Resorts is to have everything open, ready to go. So one grand opening, a 500 room hotel, a convention center, a beautiful clubhouse, a 10 hole lighted short course, a, a 75,000 square foot putting course. Only only uh, second to Bandit Dunes in terms of size. They'll have two 18-hole courses on that every single day and a little outdoor retail shopping. So all of that is going to be open and ready to go 
uh, all in one fell swoop, probably sometime uh, April-ish of, uh, of 23. And Tim, the Senior PGA Championship is going to be played out there next year. Saw your picture online with the trophy. Very nice. <laughs> is that really when all of us are going to get the uh, big reveal for what's been created there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we kicked off uh, this past Friday night at the AA Frisco Rough Riders baseball game, which is just down the street from PJ Frisco. We kicked off the uh, the ticket season to, to start uh, promoting the the event and uh, and selling of the tickets. This week, they had a they had an area where volunteers could sign up for the for the tournament to to work and help out with the tournament next uh, next May. And uh, myself and one of my uh, education associates, uh, Kevin Compare, we did uh, a couple hitting nets and some contests for uh, for the junior golfers walking around there with a the snag equipment. So it was a big kickoff on Friday, and, and this week, uh, starting tomorrow, uh, will be the start of the promotion of the 2023 Senior PGA Championship. And Tim, when I go on the website, they're calling it sort of the campus out there, the Silicon Valley of golf, a laboratory for the game. And you mentioned the campus a little bit and some of the stuff that is out there besides the golf courses. But talk about the amenities there and what people are going to have available to them when they come out there to visit. Sure, Chris. You know, um, the PGA of America's CEO, Seth Waugh, has a, a great statement that he uh, he has used over the last uh, – four or five months is that the, the reality has far surpassed the vision. And so even though we only have the headquarters and the education uh, center open uh, at this time, I mean, he is, he is over the moon at, at what this is turning out to be. We have a great partner in Omni resorts. Uh, they have, uh, they, they signed on uh, three or four years ago and, there's going to be a just a absolutely beautiful Omni Resort hotel. There's going to be some small villas there as well. Um, everything is going to be available to the public. I, I mentioned the ten hole lighted short course, uh, par three course, Bo Welling designed five holes, and Gil Hans designed five holes. They had a great time doing it. And the city of Frisco, my understanding is that they have given us the okay to stay open till 11, 12, 1 o'clock at night. So, I mean, wow. you can imagine, you know, we get we get very hot in the summertime coming coming over after work and sitting down and having a burger with your family and then going and playing the lighted short course when it's, the temperatures are a little more conducive. Um, right outside of uh, the first tee of the, of the lighted short course and, and backs right up to the putting course, is a uh, it's called a Katie Ice House, which is a uh, a very well known uh, restaurant in Dallas, which is kind of an indoor outdoor fire pit, burger, beers. Uh, bring your family. You can bring your dog if you want. Hangout type place. So we've got one of those sitting right at the right at the the main uh, center of the the hub for all the all the public to come to. There's a massive steel. Uh, frame going up right now that's going to have a bank of huge TVs where you can sit outside and watch the latest sporting events or the golf tournaments that are on. And then there's a number of retail outlets. Uh, the PGA of America is going to have a retail store. There's going to be a yogurt shop, a coffee store, some clothing and uh, uh, different types of, of, of retail outlets so that you can kind of 
just meander around and, and check everything out. And uh, you could do everything from playing the putting course to playing, you know, one of the best courses in the United States. It's going to host the 27 uh, PGA Championship as well. Tim, let's switch gears a little bit. And like I mentioned in your intro, you've been named a top 100 instructor for the last few years by Golf Magazine. That's not a level that you get to once and now it's a lifetime appointment. Talk about what it was like for you to reach that level and then the effort there is to stay there. You know, Chris, um, two of my, um, really my, my lifelong accomplishments in golf, uh, number one, you mentioned earlier in the intro of uh, attaining my uh, my master professional status in teaching and coaching, and that that is a a daunting task. It it, it requires a, a number of different things. It's almost like getting your PhD at at a university, and uh, and then and then being named by Golf Magazine's uh, you know top 100 instructors in 2019, and then again in in 2021 they do it every two years. You have to re-up and, and, and retry and qualify for, for that list every two years. And I'm excited to have done it the, the last, uh, the last couple of go arounds. Um, I still, even the work that I do with the education faculty, I still, I still teach. I teach probably 10 to 15 lessons a week, uh, outside of the work that I do with the education faculty. I, I, I still love to teach and I love keeping my hand in it. Um, Chris, when you marry those two lists, the, the master professional in teaching and coaching and the top 100 instructors, active teachers, you marry those two lists and there's really only about 13 or 14 in the United States. And I'm, I'm proud to be on, on that, uh, on that list of both. Tim, you've got some pretty good players that come out of that area of Texas where you're at that are out there playing on the PGA tour. I hear that Scotty Sessler guy's pretty good. Jordan Spieth has obviously had a great career. Will Zalatoris, I think it's just a matter of time and until Willie Z wins a major. Talk about Texas golf. I'll tell you what. I've, I've lived in Dallas, Texas uh, for 30 years, since 1992. And when I got here, it was Justin Leonard in high school, and it was the Keeney's trip and, and Hank and, and Kelly Keeney and, and a number of others. And it just continues to amaze me. How, how good the, the junior golf hotbed is in the state of Texas, but more specifically in Dallas. And, uh, but there's some specific reasons for that. Uh, we have a 12 month season, but we play in some pretty, you know, adverse conditions in Dallas with the wind and it, and, and it can get, it can get cold and it can get very hot. And, and, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a spring and fall, uh, golf season for high school golf. Um, there's some incredible instructors in the uh, in the city of Dallas, and uh, so the competition is great. And the Northern Texas PGA has done a phenomenal job with their junior golf and their junior golf foundation, starting the kids off in the in the nine hole leagues with the prep division, and then they graduate to to medalists, uh, which is an 18 hole, and then the All American Tour is a 36 hole for for girls and guys up to the age of 18. And I, and I think all those added up together really is, is the reason why um, you see this. And, and kids that aspire to be good golfers, they have a chance to look up to Jordan Spieth, to Scotty Scheffler, to Will Zalatoris. They see them at the club, and they, and they, they just want to follow them. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a very healthy situation. 
And Tim, you mentioned wind. And when, when we get to an event like the Open Championship or even the Players' Championship right there in Jacksonville, which is practically across mm-hmm. the street from the ocean, we get a lot of wind. And I think players, like you mentioned, growing up in Texas, have a bit of advantage because they're used to playing in high winds. Does playing in Texas require a lot of different styles of golf or at a minimum being really good in the wind and being able to flight your flight the ball differently, high, low, whatever you need. You know, Chris, kind of all the above. Um, we go dormant. The the grass goes dormant in 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 Dallas uh, usually by about the second week of November, and so the grass is dormant until the middle of March, and so you've got roughly four and a half months or so where you're playing. The grass isn't dead, but it just it stopped growing, so it gets very tight. Very firm, very tight, almost like open conditions in the wintertime, which makes it more difficult. It makes it more difficult to play the game. You've got more clothes on. Uh, the wind blows a little bit more. The wind blows from the north most of the time in the winter. Most of the golf courses in Dallas are set up with a southern wind, which we get in the summertime. So all the, all the, the long holes, which are downwind in the summer, are now into the wind in the wintertime. So the golf course plays more difficult just from that factor right there. I would say, you know, downtown Dallas, where we have some very nice older golf courses, if the wind is blowing there, say 10, 12 miles an hour on a current day or any day, PGA Frisco, which is about 30 miles outside of downtown Dallas, it's going to be blowing 18 to 20 miles an hour. It's a little bit more out in the country. It's a little bit more wide open. And, you know, when you start getting up to close to 20 miles an hour, that's almost three-club wind. So you've got to learn how to flight the golf ball, make smaller swings, take more club, more of a chipping motion, uh, take a little bit of speed off your swing to flight the golf ball. And it's a, and it's a, it's a necessary uh, shot and, and type of way that you have to play if you're going to play good golf in Dallas. So, Tim, let's take that out to the course for us. Those of us that aren't used to playing in the wind, you talk about a chipping motion. What adjustments do we need to make when we get to the course and we have a windy day? How do we not let the ball balloon on us? And how can we flight the ball lower so we keep the ball kind of below the tree level and then a little bit under the wind, if you will? Chris, I always I always challenge my, my players uh, to understand – uh, the, the wind condition. So if a, a low ball hitter, um, that's, that's about a one club winds about 10 miles an hour for a lower ball hitter, a higher ball hitter, a high speed swing, uh, a ball that launches in the air more about seven miles an hour is one club length. That's not a lot of wind. So you've got to understand first what 10 miles an hour feels like, 15 miles an hour feels like. And what I challenge my players with is you almost want to take too much club so it forces you to make a smaller, more controlled swing. And one of the, you put the ball ever so slightly back in your stance, maybe a rotation or so, but the lead hand. So if you're a right-handed golfer, your left hand, the, 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 the hand and arm that's leading the swing has got to feel like it's chipping into the grass a little bit more, almost like you're, you're turning your knuckles down and you're getting the front edge of the club to chip into the ground, leaning the shaft forward just a little bit, and you want an abbreviated, you want an abbreviated follow-through. You're never going to win the battle against the wind. So you've got to feel like you're going to try and the lower that you flight it, the more control you have over the golf ball. So as the wind blows more, 
I challenge my players to take more club, make a smaller swing. Your goal is to try and hit solid contact. You're not trying to, 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 you know, hit it harder because the wind's in your face. You're trying to make solid contact, control the spin, control the flight, and you'll have a better chance at, at, uh, at, at hitting better shots when you're playing in the wind. Tim, on your website, timcusickgolf.com, you talk about having a positive approach to the game of golf, and the game is riddled with negative self-talk. I don't think any of us talk down to ourselves or badly about ourselves more than out on the golf course. Talk about how you take a positive approach. What I like to see is I've never seen more, I've never seen more adults that are glass half full, so to speak, in their life and they're glass half empty when they play the game of golf. The game of golf has a, has a way of doing that to you. Um, you, 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 you develop as you play more years in golf, you develop what I call a scar tissue, bad scores, bad shots, bad holes, bad outcomes, a hole that you continually don't have success on and you develop this scar tissue. And so my, my approach is, is to try and is, is always be positive. You know, Chris, really, when you hit a golf shot, there's only two things that are going to happen. It's either going to turn out good or turn out not so good. And, and, and people can deal with either one. You know, it's, it, it's only the ones that are, that are playing for a living where more is at stake. If you're out there, you've got a lot of things that you can do on your off time and people choose to play golf because they love it. So you might as well go to the golf, the golf course with a good attitude, enjoy it, enjoy being outside, being with your friends playing at a, a, a course that looks different every single day and, um, and and relish the fact that that you're able to be outside for four or five hours and, and playing this great game and, and not let the game beat you up so much it it's a it's a humbling game and even the best in the world I mean I'm watching yesterday I'm watching the the uh, you know the 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 race to to uh, the FedEx Cup and they're playing in, in Memphis and Ricky Fowler's got it you know, he's got a great round going and he hits two in the water on 18 and makes a, makes an eight or a nine, whatever it ended up being. Um, so it happens to the best of us, but you just have to deal with it and, and let it run off your back and, and just move on. And, and the only shot you can control is the one that's right in front of you. And you got to look at it that way. One of the areas many of us struggle in is really just the fundamentals of a good grip. I see a lot of weak grips, strong grips out there when I'm playing with my friends and just people out on the golf course in general. Talk about the fundamentals of a good grip and how it influences where the ball is going to end up. You know, Chris, there's a couple really important characteristics that you need to have to have a, have a good grip, a functional grip. Number one is both hands need to match one another. You don't want to have your hands opposing. What I mean by that is, so for a right-handed golfer, if your left hand is turned slightly to the right, where your thumb is just slightly on the right side of the shaft, say sitting about two o'clock, okay? You want to take the seam of your right palm and put it right up against the side of your of your left thumb so that if you opened your hands, both hands would match or mirror each other. You don't want your right hand twisted way on top of your left hand or way underneath from your left hand. And so to me, that's, a, that's an important part. The second thing is, is, your lead hand, we'll say it's the left hand for the right hand golfer, the last three fingers, that's a pressure point. You need to, you need to be secure holding from underneath the shaft with those last three fingers and that pad of your left hand sitting on top of the, of the shaft. 
And then for pressure, you know, I always like to talk about, um, you know, grip pressure and that it should be equal in both hands. But it's almost just like a nice handshake. I, you know, I, you always hear about, oh, it's like holding a bird in your hand. Well, I don't know how many people have ever held a bird in their hand. And I always, you know, used to say that until about five or six years ago when I was working at the Four Seasons and there was a <laughs> there was a bird that flew into the, the window of the golf school and it landed and unfortunately it 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 died. And so I had to I had to go pick it up. So I grabbed the towel and I picked the bird up and, and, and you know, dispose of it. But then I thought to myself, you know what? Now I know what it feels like to have a bird in my hand. And I think the grip pressure is maybe just a little bit more than that. Tim, I want to get selfish here for a minute and get a playing lesson from you because one of the things that has started to go wrong in my golf swing is I'm, I'm pull hooking my irons, particularly, you know, seven, eight, nine iron. I'm, I'm coming over the top and I, I need some help so I can, you know, get the ball back and keep the ball in the fairway and, and, and marginally on the line that I'm trying to hit it on. So I'm trying to concentrate on keeping my right shoulder quiet, but how do I or those that of us, those of us that suffer from the, the pull hooks and the coming over the top, how can we fix that? So Chris, think about it this way, is that if the ball is curving, you've got to start putting your attention, however your golf swing is, you've got to put your attention towards what the club face is doing in relation to the direction that you're swinging at impact. And if the ball is pull hooking, then the club face, at impact is closed to the direction that you're swinging. So let's use the target as, as let's say 12 o'clock. Okay. If you're swinging as a right-handed golfer, if you're swinging to 11 o'clock, but the face is closed and it's pointing at 10 o'clock, that ball is going to start a little bit left of the target, but it's going to curve more left. So your goal is to try and first and foremost, Get the club face to move in the same direction and match the path of the swing. Wherever the path is going, you want to get the club face to match the path. That way, at least you're hitting a straighter shot. It may be a pull. It may be a push. But you've got to get the face to match the path first. And then if the path is still not right, then you can redirect the path. Okay, so if you feel like you're coming over where you took the club back, and you're swinging off to the left a little bit with the face closed, let's get the face to stay just a little bit more open at impact to match the path, and then let's redirect the path more out to 1 o'clock instead of swinging to 11 o'clock. Now, you mentioned you mentioned something about your right shoulder. That would definitely, if you're quieter with your right shoulder in the downswing, help that club redirect itself a little more to 1 o'clock or towards the target for sure. But you also have to make sure that your lead arm, your left arm for you, is feeling like it's swinging out to to one o'clock as well. But you've got it. You've got to work to get that face to match the path. That's the big key. Doesn't matter if you swing like Jim Furyk, Adam Scott, or somewhere in between. All the ball knows is what happens at impact. Face matches the path. Make sure the path then is going towards the target, and you got a better chance to hit straighter shots. Tim, I want to go back to your book. Again, the title of it is The Four Keys to Improve Your Game. And folks can go out on Amazon.com and get a copy of that. Because it's not a book to tell us how to make the perfect swing. It's more about the swing flaws that cause the ball, like you just mentioned, to go places that we didn't intend for it to go. 
So what are some of the other swing flaws that you that you see and that you address in the book? So, Chris, what what golfers don't understand and sometimes instructors don't understand or or pay attention to is oftentimes we just like to work on things that maybe someone else is is working on. Then they turn around and say, hey, why don't you try and do this or why don't you try and do that? And I would call that a preference. And there's nothing wrong with it. Sometimes you hit a home run with that. But most of the time, it doesn't work out very well. And so what I would ask, and I I talk about this in in the second chapter of my book, I'm standing on the lesson tee or the driving range tee at at the Byron Nelson at the Four Seasons about seven or eight years ago on Tuesday. We're on the tee. I'm with a buddy of mine, a low handicap player, and, and we're watching the best players in the world. And he's just like a kid in the candy store. And he says, "I don't know how. I don't know how you teach these 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 guys. I mean, they swing so good, they swing so fast, it looks effortless." And and he says, "How how do you do this?" And I said, "Well, I don't look at the swing." And he looked at me like I had about six eyes. And I said, "I pay attention to the ball and what's happening at impact first, and then I start looking into the swing for." For adjustments, if I need to, um, in teaching, there is what's called the ball flight laws, and there's six of them: centeredness of contact on the face, club face angle at impact, club path at impact, club head speed, angle of approach, and dynamic loft, which is how the shaft is at address, and then how the shaft is at at, at impact. Does it lean forward, or does it lean back, or does it remain the same? So if if a golfer and it's done again, matter who it is, if a golfer is not firing on all sin- cylinders, hitting it good, then one or more of those ball flight laws is deficient. So all you have to do is look and see, just like what you talked about with your pull hook, your deficient ball flight laws were the club face and the path at impact. So we've got to address those two, and we've got to look to see what is directly related to those two things. So I talked about the club face staying more open, matching the path, and then you can work to redirect the path. And that way you can keep it simple that way instead of just trying all these different things, playing tic-tac-toe, and and typically that doesn't work out very well. Tim, another place where a lot of us lose strokes is out on the putting green. We're used to two and three putting because we're not really great at lag putting, that we are not good at figuring out the break, we're not good at figuring out the speed, but we lose a lot of strokes there, and that's a place that we could save. Like I said, if we're two or three putting each time, boy, we have an opportunity to save five, six, seven strokes around by being better putters. Give us some tips for how we can be better putters and save ourselves those strokes. You're exactly right. I mean... When you add or subtract putts from your round, your score either goes up or down. As a general rule, Chris, an average 90 shooter, and there's a lot of ways to get to 90, but a 90 shooter typically averages roughly 36 putts in a round of golf. Okay. And, and so, and that's about the, that's it. That's about the average for a, 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 a golfer, average golfer six, is a 16 handicap. They're going to shoot right around 90. They average 36 putts. Okay. So what I would suggest is a couple things. If you can, if you can do these a little bit better, you're going to play better golf without ever hitting the ball any, any better. Number one is 
you've got to have somewhat of a repetitive stroke. The putter face controls about 90% of the initial direction of the putt. So we go back, back to the face and path again. You got a four foot putt. If it's a straight putt and you're aiming at the center of the hole and you miss, you miss the putt left or right, either it hits something or you've got a face issue. That face was either very closed when you make contact or it was very open. So you want to get the putter face again to match the direction that putter is swinging on. The second thing is, is you've got to, you, if, if, when you're doing that, then you got to work on your alignment and your aim. And then one of the most important things is you've got to gain a better feel for speed and touch. Most golfers are worried too much about the line and not enough about the pace. If I was 30 feet away from the hole and I hit the putt 30 feet and I missed it by two feet to the right of the hole, that would be a good putt for most golfers. But I missed it by two feet. So don't worry so much about the line. Be more general with that until you get inside of 10 feet. Pay more attention to speed control because if you can start eliminating those two and three putts, or I'm sorry, the three and four putts, you're, you're gonna you're gonna shoot you're gonna shoot a better score. Um, the other the other thing with speed control that I have a philosophy that I instill in my students: every putt that they have, if they don't make the putt, Chris, I want them to challenge themselves to try and miss on the hot and leave themselves with a tap in. And when you do that, most golfers underread their, and I'm going to get to reading in just a second. Most golfers underread their putt, which means that ball is starting to roll down away from the hole. And once it rolls away from the hole, every roll is getting further from the hole. Whereas if you challenge yourself to miss on the high side, every roll is getting closer to the hole. And the last portion of this with the putting is, is you've got to develop something that's going to help you with green reading. Whether it's, whether it's feeling it with your feet, whether it's picturing where you see the ball go in the hole and almost use a clock where the bottom center of the hole is six, top back of the hole is 12. You see it going in at five o'clock. You see it going in at seven o'clock and then trace your way back to kind of see an imaginary arc to get that ball to start on. And when you start putting all those things together, you've got a better chance to improve your putting and shoot lower scores. Tim, one more before I let you go, and obviously the big story around our game is live golf. Is live good for the game, bad for the game? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, that, that's kind of a loaded question. There's, there's, you know, a lot of different aspects with, with live golf. Um, it, it's, there's, there's some cultural aspects that don't sit well, obviously, with, with many individuals, especially in the United States, for obvious reasons, with, 9-11 and where the money's coming from, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's a lot of talent that has gone to live golf. Um, what I don't understand, Chris, is so the, the Saudis and, the, and the, the people to be with this tour, it's not a charitable scenario, just like, you know, the tour is, a, is, is one of the greatest, the greatest entities for charitable contributions anywhere in the United States or anywhere in the world. This tour is not about charity. I heard initially that they're not concerned with making a profit, whether that's true or not. I don't, I don't know. Um, my, my question 
to anybody that I talk to about this is what is the Saudis end game with this tour? What, what are they exactly trying to accomplish is, is a question that I haven't really heard answered. The other thing is, is that a lot of people, <clears throat> most people, in fact, don't understand the difference between the PGA Tour and the PGA of America. The PGA of, of America is, is, helps run the, 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 the body of golf courses that we all play on every single day. We're, we're there for the amateur and, and to grow the game. PGA Tour is for the best of the best of the best in the world. And, you know, the, the tournaments that, that they, they put on every single week. So they're different companies. They have different, they have different goals. Okay. Now, the PGA of America does run the PGA Championship, which is a major, and they're going to have to deal with how they handle live golf players coming up in 2023 when they play at Oak Hill in Rochester. You know, just like Augusta National is going to have to do the same thing for the Masters and the Open Championship and the USGA with the U.S. Open. That hasn't been determined yet, to my understanding. Um, so there's a lot of uncertainties with it. Um, it doesn't smell right to me. You know what? There, there's a lot of things that, that go on that are good for some people and not for others. And so I, I think everyone takes a, a, a different stance on it. Um, you know, I, I guess that's about about where I stand on. I'm, I'm not I'm not real warm on it, but um, you know, there's a lot to remain to be seen. What what's going to be interesting is once this FedEx Cup playoffs is over, and and all the money's divvied up for the FedEx Cup playoffs, how many PGA Tour players then? Because this is they're getting ready to make a bunch of cash in the next three weeks. Um, how many players leave the tour after the FedEx Cup playoffs? Yeah, I know. I'm interested to see players like a Cam Smith at once we get past the, the FedEx Cup, and then I'm guessing some of those guys are going to want to hold out until after the President's Cup. Someone like a Cam Smith might want to be a part of that as well. But once we get north of that, how many of those guys decide to go over to live? Tim, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with you, both online and over social media as well. Absolutely, Chris. So, uh, again, my website is Tim Cusick Golf. Dot com. Uh, I'm on uh, Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and I'm on Twitter um, at Tim Cusick Golf again, or on Instagram, which is Cusick.Tim, C-U-S-I-C-K. And, uh, you know, from, from time to time, you're going to see some uh, instructional video clips on there from, from me. But I can't wait to show P.J. Frisco to the world. In uh, in the spring of 2023, so we'll have to talk before we uh, before we get open, Chris, so we can we can let all your listeners know exactly what's going on in Frisco, Texas. You know, Chris, I want to take a moment to to thank you. I mean, you are a great supporter for the game of golf. The PGA of America is is very thankful for what you do in growing the game, and my hats off to you and in, in all your accomplishments and, and awards that you've received over the years. Well, I thank you very much for that. That means a great deal to me, Tim. You're fantastic, my friend. I, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your day to come back and be a part of the show. Always great to spend time with you. And for sure, we'll get back together before everything gets launched next year. Hopefully, we can get back together early spring next year. Talk about how things are going and what everybody gets to look forward to when uh, when the courses and the the headquarters and all of that gets revealed to everybody in the, in the golf world. It's going to be an exciting thing, 
it looks like a fantastic place, and I'm looking forward to learning more about it and see it through your eyes. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me. Tim, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Sounds good, Chris. That is the great Tim Cusick. C-U-S-I-C-K, again, is the spelling of his last name. Tim Cusick Golf is the website. At Tim Cusick Golf on Twitter. At Cusick.Tim on Instagram. Folks, shape up your shots and improve your game by going to see Tim. If you're anywhere near the Dallas or Frisco, Texas area, you got to go check him out. There's a reason why he's been named a top 100 instructor by both Golf Magazine and Golf Digest. Folks, he's just an outstanding individual. Away from the golf course, Tim is just an outstanding human being. And then you get to go in there and have him work on your golf game with you and fix whatever it is. So go see him out there. And again, like Tim mentioned, can't wait to see what the golf course and what the facility is like when it's sort of the big reveal at the Senior PGA Championship. So bet on the fact that we'll have Tim back on the show in the spring to tell us how things are shaping up and what we get to look forward to and then see it through his eyes. So looking forward to that and having Tim back on the show again real soon. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. So, Robert, I want to thank you for your time. I just don't think you're the right person for this position. I don't understand. Was it something I said? Well, we did a background check on you and found some things of concern. If you're in charge of hiring for your company, you know how helpful a background screening can be. That's why companies that use Horizon Background Screening make smarter hiring decisions. Don't let the wrong hire put your company at risk. Get the real story on your candidates at horizonscreening.com horizonscreening.com.